But then all of a sudden they're doing what? They're, they're feeling great activation where the delta is not initiating it. It's actually the peck. And that's what, mm-hmm. I, what I was telling one of my clients this morning. I said, don't punch the hand, flex the peck. Yes. Flex yeah. the peck. So I told them how to open the sternum, then flex the peck. Open the sternum, then flex. And he, he was like trembling. He couldn't believe how much activation he was getting. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to Blood, Sweat, and Gear with coaches Skip Hill, Andrew Berry, and myself, Scott McNally, and we are joined by the cleaner, Will Chung. Yeah. Is that does that does that sound you like that, Skip? Skip insisted that I, I said I do. I do the like cleaner. That. What's up, Will? See How you doing, gets man? The reference. Don't say what the reference is. See if anybody listening gets a reference. I know we only have a handful listening so far, but fair enough. Fair enough. Having a good hair day. <laughs> how do we introduce you you know i asked you before the show it's like you know we we had an awesome conversation at swiss um we had a bunch of people that that watch that episode and they're like oh my god you guys got to bring will back and talk a bunch more training stuff and i was like well will's a coach but i don't feel like just saying that you're a coach is the the way to put it and you're like Guys, uh, I, I'm gonna tell them, Skip. Well, you tell us. Okay, yeah, kind of have to. Yeah, yeah. What, what, what do we mean by the cleaner? Well, Mr. Wolf, I just want to tell you it was a real pleasure watching you work. Yeah, really, and thank you very much, Mr. Wolf. Well, a lot of times, you know, people don't have a label for me, but I do mm-hmm. coach a lot of professionals or other coaches, right? So, like, just like in any movie, like John Wick or Pulp Fiction, they had. They call the cleaner in to fix things for the professionals, you know. So that's that's often what I get called in for is, you know, coaches who you know are kind of like hit a plateau or need some another pair of eyes, yeah, and someone who keeps their mouth shut pretty much, <laughs> and you know who could sign a non-disclosure agreement, who can design things. Like I'll give you a perfect example. I want to say like a month or so ago, an action star. Uh, was contacted by Men's Health, you know, to do a feature on their training program. You know, like this action star, what he does for a workout, for example. Okay. But this guy wanted to make it more like appear more martial arts orientated. So his coach reached out to me. So I programmed a bunch of stuff for them to utilize. And I was contacted while they were on set. And I got all the behind the scenes insight. And, you know, the the action star kind of, leaned into their coach and said, you know, my legs are shaky from doing the workout. And the like, so yeah, my, my guy's good, you know, but again, no credit, nor did I want any credit on that particular, uh, because it was for a friend, you know, the, his trainer was a dear friend of mine. And so I'm happy to help. Okay, out that explains to- it. That, that explains it because yeah. from the outside looking in, I'm sorry, but this is my go-to. I know it's not yours or anybody. I'm just a dick and I'm just going to be honest. I'm thinking to myself, maybe he should be working with you. Let's cut out the middleman. But he's your friend and stuff, so I get that. I totally understand that. Yeah, but for you know, for a lot of injuries, because I really specialize in body mechanics, and how that came about is I'm a third-generation martial artist. So my grandfather, Huang Yi, mm. uh, influenced a lot of people like Chuck Norris, taught Chuck Norris, uh, Pat Johnson, who did all the choreography for Karate Kid, Ninja Turtle movies, you know, even Shaquille O'Neal raps about my family. He says he, uh, he kicks yeah. rhymes like Mudo Kwan, which is my family crest or family style. So You're he raps me. like we kick ass, basically. So You're kidding. So that's, 
No, that's that's a true story. So, and it's it's documented. You can listen to his rap song and hear the lyrics. You know, so so I'm not making that up. And so what I basically did because my interest wasn't really in martial, even though I, you know, for my generation and my family, you know, I'm the one who practiced martial arts the most. I wasn't interested in the conventional route. Actually, my uncle, when I was prepubescent, I had like a floating rib that was sticking out like a good inch and a half. And my doctor's like, you do any contact sports? You play football? I was like, I don't play football, but I, I do karate. And they're like, he's like, what do you do in karate? It's like grown men knee kick and elbow me to the body with no protective gear. And they're like, yeah, that, that's probably why your floating rib's sticking out like that. So that was before I even hit puberty. So my uncle's like, you know, maybe you should start lifting weights you know, hmm. to, to bulk up a little bit. So that was all I needed. So then I went to the gym and asked the trainer and I was first introduced to like the Gironda style. And then I was first formally trained by a gym owner who owned uh, the largest uh, East Coast Nautilus gym. So I was introduced to the Arthur Jones method. Oh, wow. You know, immediately at a very young age because, you know, my, my family knew the owner. So they just kind of showed me, you know, the, the slow, slow eccentrics, the cam, you know, iso, you know, the whole peak contraction at the top, all those kinds of methods and so i really investigated that kind of stuff and i reverse injured in martial arts where martial arts is how to dislocate or break an arm or how to you know disrupt someone's breathing by punching them in the solar plex i reverse engineer that to integrate people to make them more resilient as athletes to give them longevity so really these days i'm really reached out for a lot of injury prevention body mechanics and more so for longevity because longevity is really trending so these athletes are thinking about after their career or prolonging their career. So muscle tissue quality, good movement, muscle activation is really important because you have people like Kevin Hart running at a barbecue and then tearing muscles because he's cold. So it's like, he's a very fit guy. You know, he's got a trainer, you know, he's in very good shape for a man his age, but the muscle tissue quality is like trying to accelerate on the parkway with an emergency break on, right? You have this contrasting, residual muscular tension that's impeding, you know, this quick, rapid activation. So I really specialize in good muscle tissue quality and movement. So I'm very well known amongst certain bodybuilders. I have several Mr. Olympia phone numbers on my contact list. I know a lot of UFC fighters. I work with a lot of celebrities. I work with a lot of gen pop. I love working with gen pop because I like staying sharp. So I'll take a big client to offset the cost for my UPS guy or for an accountant because I make money with, with the bigger account. So I'm able to give a discount to gen pop because I like a challenge. I like anyone who's been through multiple car accidents, but wants to get mm. back to working out. I love the, the, the salty dogs who have been bodybuilding or lifting for 20, 30 years and want to squeeze another five years out or another two years of competition out, you know, because they're already doing the hard work. They just need to do smarter work now. So yeah. that's where I come in is helping people with that. So you change or you stop doing jujitsu because you got sick of it, not because you can't do it anymore because of your knee, because mm. of your back. And, and I help people, you know, I get hired as simple as helping a doctor, you know, who's having trouble getting off the ground to, to babysit their grandchild. Right. So what I teach with, with tactical, you know, uh, law enforcement, how to get off the ground while still having their weapon without, posting their hand and breaking their, their weapon the yeah. stance is the same thing you would do to hold a grandchild and get up off the ground without waking up the grandchild. So to me, functionally, it's still the same, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Are, man. You, saying, 
Well, are you saying, well, the, uh, these are skills you could teach like almost anybody, like, like you know, yes. competitive bodybuilder yes. to soccer mom to, you know, most of the gen pop people out there, injuries included, that kind of thing? Correct. It's, it's, it's scalable because to me, I love a challenge and I've worked with such a vast array of people. Like even in high school, you know, I was working for the 88 Olympics and I was on TV when all the swimmers come in, I was like sitting right there because I was working. So even as a junior in high school, I was around like elite athletics and Olympians. And my father, you know, was in charge of all the fitness for the DMZ joint security area. They call it the JSA area where the North and South Korea. So I was exposed to spec ops guys at, at a very young age. You know, I had guys teaching me powerlifting technique when I'm like, you know, again, I was still, you know, going through puberty with 10 pounds on each side, incline bench pressing, and these guys go, come on, push it, you know, and, I'm, and they're doing like one-arm chins because they're spec ops guys, you know, and they're very gracious with me because they're obviously not threatened by like, a 17-year-old kid with pimples, so, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> so I've always been exposed to a high level of excellence, whether it's martial arts, whether it's Olympic training, lifting, bodybuilding, you know, I could tell you stories about me hanging out with Johnny Moran at Linda Murray's house, you know, when she was in this Olympia. And he's, you know, all the behind the scenes kind of hoopla that goes along with uh, those types of associations, you know. Well, listen, uh, you know, one of the things we touched on a little bit when we were at Swiss and we did our, our 1 a.m. podcast, which thanks again for joining us on that. One of the things we oh, touched on, though. It was, uh, you know, the, the issues that we see bodybuilders have in general. Um, can you go into that? Like, what are the problems you see bodybuilders having with the way their bodies move with, with, you know, what happens over time, especially as you termed it, salty dogs that have been doing it for 20, 30 years. I think that that's all of us right here, you know? <laughs> right, right, right. You know, I think one of the big things, you know, is really because they're, your traps are really developed, your rhomboids, your back muscles, there's a lot of like craning of the neck forward. And some people may attribute that to texting or like, you know, tech neck, you know, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. That's debatable. But definitely with bodybuilders, because they're overdeveloped in that area, that their neck tends to slide. So they, they lose that that mobility of aligning the spine. That's why you notice like, you know, like when you, a lot of guys, when you get older, it's very hard to just do a high bar squat mm. because most bodybuilders can't even hold their hands this way. They, they have to like hold the bar this way or use straps or do a front squat or, or somehow rig it, right? Is that a fair statement that most bodybuilders yep. can't do a behind the neck press or just do a high bar squat to hold the weight in this position? 100%. Right? So one of the things I start with, with a lot of bodybuilders, I, you know, I was up at this gym last year. Yeah, I want to say last year, Paramount Gym. It's helping a, a good buddy of mine, client of mine, uh, Ray. He's known as the muscle magician and he's worked muscle tissue. You know, he's like a Jimmy Bluff. You know, he works on, you know, he's worked on Sebum. He's worked on everybody, you know, that you could imagine. And he, he's very secretive too. You know, like a lot of people don't know that he's worked with, you know, Chris Bumstead and all these Olympians. Well, they do now. He's very good with soft. Yeah, they do now. And, and it's good. You know, he's, he's a good friend of mine and he's very humble. You, and he's very soft-spoken, but man, is is he good? I highly recommend him. I've had him work on my Homeland Security guys. My, I've had him work on my martial artists, and they've all raved about him. Like he's, he'll bring tears to your eyes in a good way. Like he'll make you see the light. You know, when it comes to that type of work. And um, actually, one of my old friends who used to be the best, she's kind of retired, is a mutual friend of ours with Victoria. She and I were talking about them her the other day because some of the best people are no longer doing what they're 
great at. And that's what mm. I feel is the biggest shame, you know, of it. But getting back to the issues, one of the first things you should do is you should start a bicep curl, but to what I call your side center. And what I mean by your side center is whenever you're lifting the heaviest weight, you want it aligned with your center line. Because if I want to pick something up and it's super heavy, I'm going to hug it and then I'm going to lift it. That's just natural, right? Because you want you want a heavy object that's close to you as possible. You don't want it furthest away from you because that just makes it help, right? So that being said, you have to understand center line. Center line, then you go to 45, which is your next strongest alignment. And then side center is for most bodybuilders, your weak, weakness, weakest. And for MMA fighters, the weakest is, is the rear quadrant. So for elite athletes, I train the rear quadrant with them. But for bodybuilders, all you most likely have to be worried about is your side center. Side center would be where the side seam of your shirt or your pants or with the cowboy where his guns would be, which would be lateral, like your lateral delt rings, right? Okay. That's why, do you notice a lot of people are doing scapular plane dumbbell laterals now instead of, instead of side laterals, right? And it's because you're stronger in the 45 degree angle. That's just biomechanically more efficient. That's hmm. why it's safer. It's, I wouldn't say it activates the delts more, but I would say it's safer for delt development. So if you have a practice that is safer, you could obviously use more weight and you could do more volume. Does that make sense? That's why a lot of people are like, oh, this is the best way. It's, it's a safer way. I wouldn't say it's the best way, but it's a safer way, right? So one of the things I would have people do, bodybuilders, is just doing bicep curls on that side center. Why? because you want to curl the weight. And this is what I call a W press. So I have you curl the weight and your wrist should be curled like, like Wolverine, like how Wolverine would like kind of pop his cloth. And then from there, all you're going to do is rotate to a 90 and then pull back to this 45, rotate to a 90 and pull back to a 45. And you'd huh. be amazed at how many bodybuilders can't do that simple rotation. Cause all you're doing is you're reminding your shoulder that it's a rotational joint. So that this ball, this ball oh. and socket joint is just rotating. So you're maintaining this fairly 90 yeah. degree angle. It looks 45 and you rotate it to here, right? But do you see how yeah. it's behind my ear? Because if you just develop this load, this 90 degree, cause you know how many bodybuilders, like there's a debate, right? Like overhead pressing doesn't build, build good lateral or medial mm -hmm. depth, right? And it's like, yes and no, because if, for example, you use a thicker bar, anyone who's lifted heavy overhead knows that a barbell really bites into your fucking hands, especially when you go heavy, right? So what I recommend to people is get fat grips or do you use an axle bar or a fat bar, fat grip bar. That way it gives you better force displacement. This opening of the hand also helps you weirdly open up your joint because you're not super cinched up. You're more open like a cup. And that's what your shoulder blade is like. You think of your shoulder blade as a cup and your ball and socket joint as a ball that you're rotating this cup around this ball or this ball within this cup, however you want to look at. So you can, I, I have had guys develop really good delts with low reps and multiple sets with an axle press because they're literally just rotating around and reminding their shoulders to rotate. So yeah, you know, would, and doing this will help you if you ever want to develop behind the neck pressing or if you want to develop there high bar go. squatting. This is how I start people. This is hmm. how I start people with just a lateral dumbbell curl 
this way. That's where you I know, wanted to go. So, Can I piggyback off that and ask you, because I, as soon as sure. you were getting into that position, I'm like, this brings up the age old debate of how bad behind the neck pressing, like the reputation that it's gotten over the years, my argument, and you may disagree. And if you do, I, I respect that. My position is this. People talk about how it's, it's so bad for injury and so many people can't do it. And I think they can't do it because the flexibility in their shoulders is crap. And I think if you go yes. lightweight, you don't drop all the way, the bar all the way to the traps. Maybe you're pressing the bar, you know, to nose level behind your head, eyeball level that you can build into that. And even if it isn't, or you don't find it to be this great mass builder, it has to open up your shoulders because if you can't, if you can't reach a bar to squat, reach your hands behind, you damn sure can't press behind neck either. So there's some right. serious limitations. I think behind the neck pressing is one of those exercises that has been shelved for a very bad reason. I think it's an excellent overhead movement, especially for the side delts. To get people away from understanding that it is not a front delt. Yeah, obviously there's stabilizer you know, work being done there, but that most of that is a, a lot of that stress is on the side delt. And if you're narrow like me and you have poor shoulder development like me, something like that, that type of movement can be, I don't want to say a game changer. I'm not going to all of a sudden have Phil Heath delts, but it has made a, quite a serious impact with myself and a lot of my clients and a lot of my friends. If there's anything you disagree with, seriously, throw me under the bus. I'm good for it. I, I'm, I, I'm, I feel the same way. You could disagree with me as well, and we could have a discussion. I agree with you 100%. Most people don't have I, – I just call it being stable. You need to be stable and then mobile, right? People talk about flexibility. Oh, nice. The first thing – I've worked with a lot of professional movers, like a lot of the people you see on Instagram, like Broadway, Cirque du Soleil. I work with those people, and I'll tell you, when I've done like seminars with them and they're like, oh, and then the, one of the first things they do is they make fun of like bodybuilders because – they talk about your like neck mobility. I tell them to shut the hell up because those guys, what they put on social media is not what they actually do to gain their flexibility. Whereas mm -hmm. I believe that this bodybuilder is doing eating six meals a day, is eating, you know, is doing car fasted <clears throat> cardio in the morning and is doing chest on Monday. So I respect somebody who's going to be at least honest about what they're doing versus me putting out material like, hey, do this. And I know that person doesn't do that you know, right. to achieve their results. It's, that's what's misleading to people. And that's what I think is really great about, you know, what you guys talk about because you're very transparent about, and that's my, been my experience with every bodybuilder is they're like, this is what I do. This is what I take. This is what I, and they're very honest about it. And so much that it's documented in a logbook. you know, these guys are so very anal. And, and I agree with you getting back to the, to the Delt thing. I think that's important. And just think about this, Skip. If you, lean back on a slight incline. That's why everyone, do you notice everyone's starting to do like, they don't do overhead pressing, but they do a slight incline kind of press right. now these mm -hmm. days for depth because these are all modifications for structure. What I'm trying to teach you to do is instead of getting an incline to like a 10 degree incline versus a 45 degree, you know, that really high incline that people are doing now, what I'm trying to get you to do is to open up your sternum because if you think about the old days, right? Like think of how big people's rib cages were. Mm -hmm. you know, bodybuilders' rib cages were. They ha had a really good, from all the pullovers, right? Because they had to get the weight into position. So they're really strong, meaty triceps, overhead triceps, really strong in that position. 
that over the head or behind the neck position. They were very strong. Why were their serratus like, like friggin' marbles, right? Because <laughs> they were stabilizing, right? They were stabilizing. So what's really important there is that you, if I just teach people to just incline dumbbell curl this lateral, what is this going to do to the rib cage? It's going to open up the thoracic, realign the neck against the head. So it reintegrates the, the Robocop neck, the Pez dispenser neck, or the tech. I, yeah. so I was thinking abyss, that thing from the abyss. Yeah. With the real yeah. long neck so, that come out of the water. <laughs> but do you see, like, because you do enough compression on the, on the spine with heavy deadlifts, heavy back squats, so forth and so on, that while you're not doing those lifts, like behind the neck pull down, like rows, you should literally, like, all these people are doing this front engaged, you know, single arm incline. That's fine. But you know what they should also be doing? They should also be doing some one arm cable rows to the rear just for your double bicep. No kidding, yeah. Just for your rear delt. Think yeah, about yeah. that. Hmm. You know? Yep. Agreed. It'll transition into that at some point because the novelty of that one movement will wear yes. off eventually. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, we have to, right. you know, once that wears out, it's like there's there's like a novelty closet. So we're just waiting for the next thing, someone to pull out the next thing out of the closet. Kind of like skeletons, but, but not. <laughs> what so, about this? So Alfonso asked a question about that. He said, um, um, but what about uh, specialty, excuse me, what about specialty bars to work around it? He says, even if you fix the problem, isn't it just a question of wear and tear, especially if you're training with higher frequency? Okay, that's a good question, uh, Andy. So uh, I'll give you a perfect example. So Jim Seitzer, who invented the band bell, you know, the bamboo bar that yeah. shakes, mm -hmm. that vibrates, right? So he's a former West Side guy. I know him pretty well. And he would say someone, you know, like, isn't it just wear and tear? It's like, then you have someone like the late, great John Meadows, right? And he would, he told me that John's elbows would bother him. So the, a straight bar, the band bell was great for him because it didn't hurt his elbows when he was doing bicep curls with it. So that's great. So that could prolong his career and his ability to do that, right? But are we going to limit John to only using a band bell for bicep? No. We want to make sure that he's functionally healthy, mm -hmm. that you know that he can do things and not hurt his elbow, and he needs a specialty bar. Yeah, that's that's durability, that's resilience. So that's that's why we have to honor the Dave Tates, the John Meadows by teaching them more dimensional movement because they've taken depth, they've taken powerlifting and bodybuilding to the nth degree. So much respect to those gentlemen that we're here just to add dimension so they don't wear the same track out all the time, neurologically. Okay, and the, the, so there's, there's the key. Time. I was going to ask you, if you could posit, why is it that you think that John, because you mentioned John, and this is a good example, has that pain in that one movement and yet changes the bar. I understand that it changes the, like you said, the dimension just right. subtly. So you just mentioned a track and that's kind of the way I think about it too, because if you're in that same 
pattern of movement all the time. Are we building some type of, I don't for lack of a better word, like inflammation on that track where if you, because hmm. I know I've noticed it even in shoulders, but you get out of that track even for three or four weeks and you can come back to the previous track and it's not there. Yeah. Correct. And to me, that's overuse. That's inflammation. But I may be wrong. That's just how my brain processes it. There's, there's two simple ways to, to look at this. Yes, there's a neural efficient group, right? And this is what I was telling one of my clients who owns the law firm this morning. It's like, look, just because you get hip surgery, just because you get a new knee, that's great. But if you're a bad driver and you keep sideswiping your car, you could keep buying new cars. You're still a bad driver. Right. So what caused the injury in the first place or the misalignment is still an issue. So you have to retrain that. And I think a wonderful example of that in social media is the actor Jeremy Renner. You know, he almost died, you know, 10 months ago from a snow, uh, a snow plow almost chewing him up. And he aggressively. And this is why I always recommend no matter what the intervention you do, I don't care if it's stem cell, I don't care if it's yak urine, I don't care if it's mercury in retrograde, I don't care if it's gemstones, I don't care if it's replacement, hormone therapy, I don't care what the intervention is. You always need to aggressively prehab and rehab. That's one of my specialties is priming you for, for any intervention and helping you recover post-intervention for actual application. That's really, and I pick up where occupational physical therapists leave off or where the orthopedic leaves off. And I think because you want an exceptional mm -hmm. usage of form. And, you know, I had a gentleman, Bob, who was a, he's a four star general in the United States Air Force. And at the time he was in his 80s and he slipped and he tore his rotator cuff skiing. Mm. And they're like, ah, you're like 84. Don't bother getting the surgery. You're old. You know, the, the surgeon's like, mm -hmm. don't bother. You know, like, you're old. And he's like, screw you. I'm active. I have grandchildren who, you know, his, his daughter, who I also trained had uh, children late. So he's like, I have grandchildren who are young and I want to be able to pick them up. Plus I'm active. So he hired me. So we rehabbed him aggressively and then he did the surgery. Then we prehab, uh, we prehabbed him for the surgery, rehabbed him after surgery. He ended up with more range of motion than he had before he, he got injured. No kidding. <laughs> but yeah, but it sucked. You know, like I'm not yeah. selling it an easy sell here. It, mm. What I do sucks because it burns like a son of like it activates muscles and it burns like he's, he told his daughter, it's like, Will sucked. You know, it, it sucked because it was <laughs> difficult. So you can imagine someone like Jeremy Renner, if you watch, you know, his Diane Sawyer special where he's like doing leg extensions and riding a bike, that wasn't pleasant. That's not fun. But if someone like Skip, like Skip is a perfect client for me. Like he, he's like, I want to regain motion. I want to activate. I want to get a little more delta activation. Perfect. You already know what it's like to suffer when it comes to low carb, low cal, uh, cardio, you know, uh, calf burn, quad burn, delt burn. So this will be easy for you and you'll feel like a new person and it'll feel like an older version of your younger self. Meaning you're not going to be doing the same things that you used to do. You're going to take a slightly different angle on it but it'll give you that same type of like immense burn. So getting back to that neural group, yeah, we want to not wear out that neural group. But the other thing is when you go outside of that neural group, your other muscles integrate to collaborate for like a compound motion to synergize the motion because it's a new skill set. So it's like, oh, he's a baby. Let's, let's take it easy on the baby. Right? right. So other muscles integrate where it's like, this guy's a pro. Let him do it himself. Why do we need help?
right? So all these other muscles, because you're so used to isolating, because you want to put more emphasis on a muscle, which I understand. That's why as you age, you should do a three-stage approach. I refer to it as perpetual motion training, which you basically start out with like an emphasis on an isolated muscle. Then what you do is then you hinge at the hip to basically self-spot you. Like what a spotter would normally do to help yeah. you do a few extra reps. You <clears throat> use your glutes and you use a hip hinge. And then what you do is you use a leg compression with a knee ankle and you finish the set with that integration. Why is that important? Does it prolong the set for to do to hit more of those stimulating reps? Yes, without mm -hmm. a doubt. But more importantly, you know what it teaches you to do? It teaches your body that once you've emphasized a grip like you hit your, your thumbnail with a hammer and it starts to swell, it's like a traffic jam, right? The the traffic around that area is hell, right? Like the paramedics, the police, the fire truck, everyone going in and out from that area, it's a bitch. But a few hours later, it resumes normal. That's what you're doing with training. You're creating a, a traffic accident. You're creating inflammation by design, and then you're normalizing the body. So what you want to do is you want to stimulate that and then get all the aid as possible. So I did my bicep. I prolonged the set of my bicep with a little hip hinge. I prolonged the set of my bicep with, with my leg and calf compression to prolong the set, but it also teaches me to dissipate force and spread some of that weight. So I'm lifting the barbell now with my whole body because it's weak. The fibers are weak. I'm trying to get the last few fibers. And it also prevents injury. Mm -hmm. So you're prolonging the set and you're teaching your body to lift with the body. And when you teach the body to lift with the body at the end, for bodybuilders just a little bit, will make a subtle yet significant difference, like giving you a 3% surcharge on your credit card. You don't realize it, but every time, 3%, 3%, 3%, it adds up that little bit of dipping with your body. It's going to prevent your back from being tweaked. It's going to prevent all these like misailments or chronic injuries because you're at the end always teaching yourself to make an isolated exercise into a seemingly compound or what I call right. collaborative exercise. Does that yeah. make sense? I was going to go with compound, compound, but that's because I can't come up with labels very easily. Yeah. <laughs> collaborative sounds I'm, a lot I'm good better. With that. I just imagine <laughs> now people, oh, go ahead, Andrew. I was going to just throw in like compound comprehensive kind of comes to mind, you know, yeah. in tight, bringing the whole body in. But would, let me just ask another question. Sure. Would you say that a lot of what you do kind of wakes up dormant muscles that have been deactivated from overemphasis hmm. of just hitting the same muscle groups, the same exercises over and over again, that neural pathway, you're kind of waking up new neural pathways in a sense? Yes. So you know how you guys talk about muscle maturity, right? Well, I think that's a right? scam, honestly. We don't believe in it, but okay. we talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> but there's a term of muscle maturity, right? Hmm? So let's use yeah. that metaphor. Let's use that metaphor. You're absolutely right. The mother is always used to cooking dinner. The bicep or the front deltoid is always used to taking the load. But now the medial delt and the rear delt want to grow up. They're older now. They're not five anymore. They're 15. So maturity-wise, they should help clean the dishes and set up the table. So if they're doing some of the load now, oh, look at your son. He was five. Now he's able to, yeah, he's got a job too. <laughs> and he's paying rent, right? So now you got all this other stuff. Then this guy deserves his own salary. He deserves protein. 
protein synthesis, amino acids. That's why you eat so frequently because like, look at Justin Harris, someone as brilliant as him. Like what I take away from his nutrition and nutrition is not my field of expertise is the fact that you're eating enough to make sure that the material is there when you do it, when you do need to put on muscle. But it doesn't happen that frequently otherwise. And he does, he does a brilliant job of illustrating the math, right? Like if that were the case, you'd be gaining, you know, 50 pounds at by the end of the year, which is bull, you know, bull, right. baloney. So his basic thing is you're trying to make sure that the environment is there. So when you, when it does want to add muscle mass through protein synthesis, the material is there. That's why you eat frequently. That's why you rest frequently. And I, and I love that explanation because that makes sense to me. Like, yeah, you, when the person's ready, you want to be prepared with a condom, right? Like you're like, I'm ready. You know, like that you want to make sure when, when the opportunity strikes and that's what we're doing with, with muscles. So absolutely you're, you're, but the bigger thing is you, you basically have to, Andrew, get the dominant muscle to ease up hmm. the helicopter parent to back up because they're used to dominate. And when you do, then it gives room for the other people to step up or the other muscles. Can that I push back on that a little gold. bit? Um, sure. And here's because like we, we're always trying to find ways to get, you know, athletes and, and clients to hit the target muscle group yeah. more efficiently, right? Like really lock right. into that. Like I'm trying to think like an example, like the bench press, right? Where you right. can just see someone's using more of their front delts and, and they have a weak chest to, to show for it. Right. Like, right. So I guess, can you explain that a little bit? Like using say the bench press as an example, or, or do you not use the bench press? No, perfect. Let's use the bench press as an example. Okay. So again, what's a dangerous exercise, right? Skip, right? Just like mm -hmm. the behind the neck press. Right. One of the first methods that I was taught was the Gironda method. And Gironda didn't believe in bench pressing. He believed in neck pressing or guillotine pressing, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So the subtle yet significant difference is unlike a power lifter who's going to coil the elbows down at a 45, like they're pushing a truck, the elbows are going to be high. So it's very equivalent like a classic boxing hook. So mm -hmm. it's going to be in line with the clavicle. So the insertion point is all the muscles insert here and they scoop up into that delt right here. They all like, it's almost like a hammock, right? It's like one right. hammock attaches wide on the base of the other side. And then the other side bunches up to one attachment here. If you look at the anatomy. So mm -hmm. that being said, this guillotine press, if done properly, and you know, I've done it for so long that I, I can do it without any shoulder issue. And I've coached people to do it if they're interested in it. Right. But what I start people out is, do an eccentric, the normal bench press, rotate the bar a little, rotate the bar and then press up and just get used to that rotation under load first with the submax weight. Then once you get good at it, I'll even have them do like a wedge press. And what I mean by that is I'll have them press up normal bench and do a slow eccentric with the submax weight guillotine, push the bar down to the nipples, wedge up at a 45, you know, at that arc, which the hammer strength is designed in the natural bench presses is an arc. It's not a straight, you know, like it's an right. arc like that for muscle activation. We're not talking about powerlifting efficiency, right? We're talking about just muscle activation, boom, right? Slow eccentric. And then you build that eccentric up that then you could build it as a, a concentric. And you're also using a sub max weight because normally if you use 315, you're using like, you know, 150, 185, 200, you gradually build up to doing that eccentric. And then once you've earned a, a control with the eccentric, then you could do a concentric with it. You know, I would cycle this in with a person, you know, I wouldn't just have them do it right away, but then all of a sudden they're doing what they're, they're feeling great activation where the delta is not initiating it. It's actually the pec. 
And that's what, mm-hmm. I, what I was telling one of my clients this morning. I said, don't punch the hand, flex the peck. Yes. Flex yeah. the peck. So I told them how to open the sternum, then flex the peck. Open the sternum, then flex. And he, he was like trembling. He couldn't believe how much activation he was getting. And this is not a bodybuilder. He owns a law firm. But he wants mm-hmm. to look better and he wants to feel better. And he's doing both, right? So yeah. does that make sense that <laughs> that guillotine press progression would help sure. you activate your delts a lot more? Activate your pecs more? Yeah, your, your pecs, excuse me. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Did that answer your question? <clears throat> yeah, no, I thought it was, yeah, just, yeah I was trying to think of like a good example of like, you know, where do we see exercises maybe go wrong, quote unquote, in terms of activation when we're, when we look at athletes and analyze, okay, why does he have a week this? Or why does he mm. have, you know, why is he lacking muscle? His quads are nasty, but his hamstrings are horrible and he can still squat. Like, like where, do, you know. I guess a lot of what you do is diagnosing those issues from watching the person lift and then figuring out where the loopholes are or where the, where the shortcomings are. Yes. And, and but it's just like accounting, finding where they're hemorrhaging, you know, their energy because just doing a flat bench guillotine press really works the upper, you know, like, oh, let's do incline to get the upper chest and let's do decline. It's like, look, just doing a, a flat bench with the guillotine will really hit the upper fibers like crazy if done yeah. properly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man. Let me ask Will this, because uh, this may right? be a little bit of an explanation. I'm hoping if I'm wrong, please correct me. But I think what Andrew's asking is it might lead to this. Okay. Will, you're not really taking bodybuilders with weak muscle groups and trying to bring up those muscle groups. You're, you're, <clears throat> you're fixing a weak link from a prehab rehab standpoint. And I think that's the difference. That's why your training will is more functional where ours is where from a strictly bodybuilding standpoint, we're focused on target muscles that are weaker that we just want to be bigger. And in reality, our training likely is increasing in a sense, an instability or weakness of stabilizers sure. because of the way we train and especially when it, it involves more fixed plane or not fixed plane, but fixed machines and things yeah. like that. So we yeah. benefit by hitting the target muscle harder, but in turn yes. create imbalance or weaknesses, maybe not imbalances, but weaknesses with all that stabilizer work that the that we end up coming to you for when we're injured. <laughs> am I am I in the ballpark? Yeah. I mean a hundred percent. And the good news is the stabilizers are very easy to develop. That's why someone at 80 can improve their balance through Tai Chi or yoga, hmm. right? Because it's, it, you know, the, I, I never did Tai Chi and all of a sudden they're standing on one leg for 30 seconds. Look, mm-hmm. hey, that's great. If someone at 80 can improve that. So that gives a great deal of hope for you guys that these are muscles that can easily be engaged, right? And developed and part of your recovery. So they don't even have to be part of your workout. They could they could be part of your morning or, or nighttime routine with people. So it facilitates blood flow because it's like it's like steady state cardio, basically. But it's like high reps of ankle flexion, wrist flexion, you know, the elbow just bends. And when you when you get this light rotation, again, that's what's important is you get this activation. So my delt is used to holding this hitchhiking position. And that's the key. When I was at Paramount Gym, this guy his girlfriend volunteered for just a warm-up drill, one of my signature warm-up drills I call walking without walking. And under three minutes, her glutes were like on fire. An ultra marathon runner couldn't even do three. He was like, are you kidding me? And I go, it goes <laughs> to show you how you're, you're, and you run, you know, hundred plus miles, which shows yeah. you something, right? 
And then her boyfriend was a strong man who like, you know, log presses or axle presses well over 400 pounds. And I was doing this, the W press with this bodybuilder, Gabe. And then the strong man goes, let me try. And he grabs like a 25 pound dumbbell and he's like, no, gonna drop down to 15. So this is a guy who, again, is so used to pressing over 400, but in this plane of motion or this angle, he dropped down to a 15 pound dumbbell. It doesn't mean he's weak. It just means he's not accustomed to stabilizing that position to use his strength. He has strength. He needs to know how to use it. Hmm. You know, what good is that? You know, that strength of it, if, if, what good is all that money or that, that internet speed if you can't access it? Well, so let me ask you, like, when you take on a new client, what is, what do you do? Do you have them do a series of movements and observe them? Do you give them a particular, you know, set of tests to do? Do you, like, what, what's your process to, to come up with, like, a plan that's going to help serve the athlete or the, or the customer? My process is highly personalized. So what I first do is I just, get to know the person, what their goals are, you know, like context, right? Like, what are you going to use this for? What level of craziness do you want to get to with this? Right. And then from there, I give them a few drills to see. I tell them, give full feedback. You're like, that drill sucked. I'm never going to do this drill. I like this drill. Tell me. And I guarantee if, if you don't like it, I don't even charge people initially. Like, I just like, let's see how, because I want to see their communication skills. I want to see their adherence, you know, and how they interpret instruction. And then from there, if I'm like, hey, if we're not a fit, I guarantee you I know someone in my contact list that can train you, that that can help you with this. You know, whether it's a physical therapist, whether it's a, you know, a tactical guy, it doesn't matter. And and my greatest gift is not my skill set. It's my it's my contact list. It's the number of people I could call for fill in the blank, right? I could, yeah. right. So that being said, I, I love, and man, a lot of times I do things just for free because I like it. My UPS guy, like, you know, he'll text me and he'll be like, I, I signed for a pack just and dropped it off on, on your back deck because I helped him with his back one day. He's like, oh, what do I owe you? It's like, I don't want any money. It's like, you're pain free. And, you know, and, and he was, he's really into fitness. So he would talk about all these fitness people. So I ran upstairs, brought down a book and he's like, oh, I never saw that. How do you know this person? And he opens the book and it's like signed to me. I was like, who do you think trained the guy? It's like, get the hell out of here. You know this guy? I was like, yeah, I trained him. You know, he's like, that's crazy. Who are you? And you're just like, you're just here in the middle of nowhere. Like, yeah, it's crazy. you're just my client. But, I deliver packages too. Yeah, yeah, it's stupid. That's cute. But, yeah. but my point being is that it's highly personalized. So because, and it's, you know, I could talk to you about people who like, this is their goal. So I start them out the basic drills. Like a, a client who's like, one of their goals is eventually an Olympic lift to get. So their priming drills start with a barbell in their hand. Why? Because their end goal is to be able to manipulate ballistically a barbell in their hand. So mm-hmm. that's how I would start this client out. But then, um, sort of, kind of piggyback on the last question: Do you give them, say, like homework to do? Like, okay, every morning this is your routine. You got three these three drills. I need you to do ten reps, three sets, whatever it is. And then when you go to the gym, when you're warming up and doing your upper body days, I need you to do these two exercises. And lower body days, I want these two. Ex- is is that kind of how you program? Yes. How I initially program is number one. I want to see how crazy they are. So I basically tell them this is a skill. You need to get good at this skill. So some people, and it'll determine whether they're more a frequency person, they're more a volume person, they're more of an intensity person because, and that'll give me an insight to their personality type. And then I will go from there. That's why with a lot of bodybuilders, I trick them with what they're doing already, which is, okay, this is my split. And the, and I don't change anything in their split. 
I just changed the activation of, again, they're on chest day, do these inclined dumbbell curls, but a specific way, right? Like one of the, you, you guys are very popular because I got a lot of messages from a lot of your followers who asked questions and who wanted to learn things and so forth. And what was really funny was this one woman who wants, you know, she wants to hire me, but my whole thing is again, try these drills and see what goes. So I'm already refusing money. Like I'm not even taking money initially because I don't care about it. Like I care about the rapport and, and people. So I programmed her with some drills and she's like, you know, I went to the Olympia this year. My husband, who's also a bodybuilder, their mutual coach got together at, in Florida. And then she was like, you know, I was listening. My husband and my coach were talking. Yeah, this, this strong ball Korean was talking about doing inclined dumbbell curls before chest day. And then one guy's like, yeah, I did it before chest day. Guys, I didn't do it in chest day. I did it before my push day for shoulders. Boy, it really opened me up. And the other guy's like, yeah, it opened me up too. And they, you know, they had separately listened to your live stream. But oh, no both kidding. took the same conclusion and applied the, the thing. And they both got benefit for it. And to me, that makes me happy. I don't want any money. I don't want any crap. I'm, I'm happy that it helped these guys with activation, you know? That's so cool. That's so cool. We had a video too. It was from um, one of, was it one of our listeners who heard you talk about that? Yeah. What, what yeah, was that exactly? Yeah. So, so th this, this woman, Olivia, full, full credit to her. This is her husband. She sent me a video of him doing the incline dumbbell curl. And if you want to use that video, I, I actually didn't get permission to, to use it. I should have, you know, asked her for uh. sure and him, but I said, do you want feedback on the, on the cue? She goes, absolutely. I said, okay. The whole point of hanging the weight on an incline is to have, because again, here's the common thing with bodybuilders, right? This guy's very stocky, right? He's like a Jose Raymond type. He's short, but very meaty. So his like, his back is so tense that like his neck doesn't touch the back of the bench, right? So we're trying to elongate the length of his neck by him tucking his pelvic girdle under. So he's actually pressing his oxy put against the back of the bench. And in doing so, he's got to push his wrist down. So his hand, let me try to get the hand in here. So the hand's got a scoop. It's got a scoop down and under. Mm -hmm. And then that's got to drive the elbow. So your, your shoulder goes down to, to incline yeah. curl. Most people, when they lift, they do this. Mm. And what's the most common thing when you hear people go, I must have slept wrong on my shoulder, <laughs> right. Yeah. right? And how were they sleeping, right? It was something yeah. like this. So they're training that. Think of the one injury that Jay Cutler got. His whole bodybuilding career, he only had one injury, right? Do you guys know what it is? He I don't tore remember. his bicep, didn't he? He tore his bicep. How did he tear his bicep? I don't remember that. No idea. Well, the so, shoulder was high. I can so, guarantee that. <laughs> he, he, he kicked up these dumbbells mm. here to do pressing, and his bicep couldn't deaccelerate the weight because um. his shoulder wasn't in a good position. So he trained very smart. That you can't deny. You know, he's still yeah. healthy, feels good, looks good. You know, all that kind of stuff. You know, Tom Platts, another great classic full range of motion. Because again, their muscle to. Why was Jay Cutler's longevity? Because of muscle tissue quality. What did he do? He got a lot of massage work done. He got a lot of soft tissue work. He did a lot of stretching, right? He sat in his little garage and, you know, stretched himself. He did a lot of stretching, a lot of cardio. So that's muscle tissue quality. And you could do that with what I refer to as body weight, you know, 
perpetual motion training, which I did for a lot of MMA fighters, which is basically train them to move constantly. So their rest was motion. So these guys, just like my, my military and my law enforcement guys, these guys would, you know, after they would grapple for five minutes or, or fight in the MMA cage, they just kind of like roll up like this without using their hands. So could mm. you imagine wrestling with someone for five minutes and being exhausted and watching your opponent spring up while you're like, yeah, you're like, mm -hmm. this. so that's a mind screw. So all my guys are taught that I call it. I tell them the spring is the thing. No matter how tired you are, you always spring up. You don't use your hands. You use your body mechanics and, and it works for them. And that's the whole point is that they biomechanically are more efficient, right? So they don't wear on their joints. And they're also more more resilient. So I'd have these guys warm up with tons of toe tappers and calf raises and so forth. And and doing that made their muscle tissue so resilient that their ankle could roll, it could flip, it could invert, evert. They have more forgiveness in terms of their range of motion because that mm -hmm. muscle tissue is pliable. So there, you know, and Stan Efferding says it, and I really love it. That's why I always cite my sources. I always love giving credit. He says, you know, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit, basically there's nothing that can be done to you or given to you that's as powerful as something you could do for yourself. Hmm. So think about that from a training perspective. Yeah, someone could loosen up my bicep and my, you know, pec and my delt because that's the most common tear, right? Bicep, pec, right? Those are the quad, right? Those are the most common, mm -hmm. right? And again, that's because a joint isn't articulating. The shoulder's not rotating or the hip is not rotating. So... I, I could even date, you know, mutual friend, like one of the guys at Swiss who was very nice and I didn't know him at all, but he's pretty big on YouTube and so forth. Really nice guy. And he was telling me, you know, everyone was asking me questions and he just kept saying, hire him, just hire him. Stop asking him questions, just hire him. I'm going to hire him when I get back, you know, and really nice guy. And I watched, you know, he's, he, he has some knee issues. And I was watching some of his clips and I said, I messaged him. I said, I could see your hips don't rotate properly. That's why he goes, ah. yeah, I had a bad motorcycle accident. I this. That's fine. But the motor accident was a long time ago. To me, I call it scared and scarred. It's like, yeah, but a woman cheated on me. I was like, that was 20 years ago, bro. It's time to move on. Like, you know, like, <laughs> I get it though. I, I, get, that I that, get it though. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But I'm confident that I could reprogram him to align his knee, foot, and hip better. So that it doesn't conflict because mm -hmm. I could see it on his leg pressing. I could see it on his movement. So if he hires me or if he just asks me again, I, I like helping, you know, obviously this guy's a very disciplined guy. He's muscular. He's ripped. He's very, and he's a nice guy. I'm happy to help him. You know, th those are, the, I, I think that's really important, you know, and to me, that's what this message is about is teaching your shoulder that it should rotate. Teaching yeah. your elbow, reminding your elbow, it's only meant to bend. It's not meant to take shearing force lateral. Mm. Well, I've got That's one video. One one video. I figured we could we could all go over something together here. Uh, this is from one of our listeners, Cody. Um, and I asked him a little bit more because he just sent me the video. And he talked to you, Andrew. I don't know if he's a client of yours. Um, but he, Cody? you, yeah, C-O-T-Y. And uh, this is a little while ago that you had said to drop me an email, I think. Anyway, mm -hmm. uh, or maybe not. Maybe this that was somebody else. But um, I've got a couple pictures of him, too. So he shot this video. It's of a, um, a Smith uh, 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 squat. 
And I figured too, it's always been helpful when we can put pictures up too. He's just rebounding out of his contest prep. So this is what he looked like when he was at the show. So he looked like he, you know, did a nice job. Good physique here. Let me see if I can pull up this back shot as well. We can look at these for a second and then I'll throw the video up as well. So I'm not sure. Let me read this real quick. I'll leave these up for a second and see what he says here. Um, okay. He says, uh, this was uh, when he shot this video, it was in the uh, middle of a contest rebound. Uh, he's looking for overall leg development with using this exercise. Um, he says, I have one leg day in my program and a few sets of leg curls on his back thickness day earlier in the week. He's doing a traditional progressive overload training style. So now that you guys have seen what he looks like, and I'm not sure what the if that's a before and after um, before the contest or if that's where he's at now. But here is the video and I might have to work on the sound here real quick. No, we're good. So his goal with this exercise is basically just trying to grow as much muscle as he can. Looking at it out the gate, like I don't see anything wrong with the exercise. But I would love to get feedback from all you guys. Anything, even any tips you might have for him. Uh, sometimes, sometimes, like, you know, I've, I've even considered just giving people um, advice on smaller details you know sometimes it's not a matter of changing the form completely maybe it's a matter of changing cadence or you know trying just a mildly different technique so i apologize too for our audio listeners who are sitting through this we're just watching a guy do some squats right now yeah i don't nothing strikes me other than the bar one of the the bars in the way the one closest to us to see what the hips are doing if they're turning under at all in the bottom position i mean the depth is good and everything uh his foot placement relative to the bar because of course it's a you know fixed machine mm -hmm. so sometimes it can be too far out i mean knees look good in relation to the feet i'm just thinking out loud or speaking yeah. out loud but i just can't tell it doesn't look like his hips are turning posterior in the bottom so i i mean i don't see anything do you guys do you guys see it he's pretty upright i cadence i mean nothing stands out that is that is striking or, or that is obvious to me yeah i agree and he's wailing yeah, on it classic, too it's it's classic good form right like he, he's safe and it's replicable right because he progressively overloads and that's good but and you guys you guys are the expert in terms of physique development he would you, it's fair to say that his upper body is more developed than his lower body, right? And he wants to put more muscle mass on his lower body. Is that a fair statement? I, I would say he needs a lot of back and lower body, just from just from the pictures. Okay. I feel like um, okay. his whole posterior chain looks a little. I go um, with that. You know, not to throw him under, yeah, not to throw him under the bus. Just just on yeah. the weaker side compared to maybe some of his over, uh, overall development. Yeah. Okay. Honestly, I think he just so needs a good two what, years of like getting the weights and eating and, and yeah. come back to us and, and let's see, but, but please go ahead. Will. no, but so that's a great point because what's the leak weak link to the legs, right? Is usually the lower back, right? And mm -hmm. the back mm -hmm. musculature. So what I would recommend again, we want to optimize his muscle activation for what he's already doing. Right? So mm -hmm. what I would recommend is immediately for him to actively pull and pull 
So he's mm. pulling the bar into where his last name would be on a jersey. And really? he's pulling his neck back because he's using a Smith, right? Okay. So th there's an advantage to a Smith. It's right because it's on a track, so you can kind of push back against mm -hmm. it, right? Yeah. So why not use that advantage? Is my point, right? And then you say to engage the upper lower back. I would back. say yes. So that his his whole posture chain is one piece, mm. almost like he's trying to do a wall sit, but pressing against the bar right. to push it backwards. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, so he's power pulling too, the right? bar. Right. So he's pulling it, but do you see how it's like it's like a low rear double bicep before he reaches up kind of thing? Like it's it's a really yeah. tight, yeah, like yeah. rotation. Then from there, that that'll cramp his lower back, his lats, his lower lats, and also help him fire his glutes better. And then I would move his feet, maybe a half an inch. To an inch, you know, it's hard to tell because it's a video in the angle. Right, a yeah. little closer towards the bar. Okay. So that's a little more knee flexion. Mm -hmm. So he's pulling this way. So when he goes down, he's folding like an accordion. Yeah. So he's not pushing against the wall with a wall sit with a strong 90. He's pushing with a slight knee, like a like an Olympic weightlifter squat, a little bit, which will obviously cause more leg development for him versus weight. Because his goal isn't weight. He's not powerlifting. His goal is leg development. Right, mm -hmm. so we want to biomechanically put him at a mildly disadvantage by using the advantage of the Smith machine. D does that make sense, gentlemen? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that oh. makes total sense. I can almost feel it right now. You know, thinking about mm -hmm. that, I can. You know what I mean, Andrew? I can kind of feel yeah, what that no, would do. And, and I think also, you know, it takes. And it sounds like this person, if he's willing to send video footage in for critique, it takes the right kind of person to be able to absorb that information and be like, okay, I need to make right. this exercise harder. Mm -hmm. Right, yeah, because right. he's going to have to drop some of the weight to do this correctly, at least initially. Yep. Correct. And then work back up to these weights. So it takes a, a very, you know, competent person, a very confident and competent person um, to be able to take these kind of cues because a lot of guys in the progressive overload camp just think more weight on the bar, no matter what the movement mm -hmm. looks like. As long as I'm moving two and a half, five, <sighs> ten more pounds than I did last week, I'm succeeding. Sure. But I, I, I think the cues you gave will hit spot on. Hell yeah. And we, we could program some, something like two light sets of behind the neck pull downs where he uses 70 or 80 pounds, where he articulates his wrist and really contracts the back, holds it for a second, then slow eccentric, holds it, yeah. boom, uh, holds yeah. it for a second, and then mm -hmm. just wakes up that muscle, you know, do a few, you know, rear double biceps to activate it, you know, by posing, yeah. and then get under the friggin' bar and rip it. And he's going to realize more muscle activation and connection with a lighter weight. So basically, this I am going to get, build, if build, I followed all of this, if I followed all of this, I am going to get so torn up in the gym. Number one, every time I curl, I'm going to be cheating the reps at the end. People are going to be shooting videos of me doing that. Now I'm hitting rear double biceps before I do my squats. Like I'm going to get tore up. That's all I know right now. Well, I think that's where you were going before. And yeah, that's it really was. Piggyback off of that. That's what I figured. Because it wouldn't look, and that's the thing. Yeah, yeah. We're that's... giving information. He's providing really good information. I mean, I'm sitting here on the edge of my seat, <laughs> just not saying much of anything. But there are going to be people, and, and we're not responsible. No one's responsible for the people who take the information and don't apply it correctly. But I agree. They're going to be, they're going to be flinging weights around. This is what just they told so they me to move do. Your weight, and it's going to be, well, I listened to Will Chung. So yeah. he told me to do this. Right. No, he didn't. Did you, did you train Branch Warren? 
<laughs> exactly. And and a lot of people a lot of people do get tore up because they're doing different things like yep, right. you know, inclined dumbbell mm-hmm. curls before chest day. But then after a few months, wait a minute, your weights are going up. Your your shoulders <laughs> not bothering you anymore. You have a little more development on your upper pec. All of a sudden what the heck's going on? So yeah. the the people who laugh first are not laughing at the end. Right? Yeah. So yeah. and and that, that's what I love about this kind of stuff. Like to me, you know, I hate trying to convince someone to move or invest in training. So mm. you guys are already invested. All I'm trying to do is take track nine instead of one. It's an express train. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love this You're stuff. You're stopping though. at every stop. I love this you stuff. I, I, um, I started really figuring out how to finally, for the first time in my life, train my back once I had my own home gym. And part of it was related to what we're talking about right here. I I felt comfortable enough to try things that might look stupid. I mean, I'd always been willing to, you know, experiment and stuff in the gym, but I took it to a new level to the point where, like, honestly, I wasn't really, I don't know if I would have been comfortable in a public gym going in and doing some of the things that I tried because some of the stuff I did, I'm not doing today. Some of it was a mistake, but in that process, though, it opened me up. And that's what I'm really getting from you, Will is that you're you're hitting things from an angle that I may not have thought of because I would have told myself no you, we don't do that. Mm-hmm. You want to you want to be really silly. You know, let's throw one back to Larry Scott. So Larry Scott had this drill that he basically took from Tai Chi. He calls it a ring of fire. So you use it off of a cable. I've done it with bands too, but the cable is probably the best for most people. Um, if preferably one with a flywheel that pivots, but even if it doesn't, we could still make it work. So basically what you're going to do is, you know, the bodybuilding stance where one foot is flat and the other foot's on the ball when you're doing like a side chest pose. So your calf and your hams, hammies are showing, right? Yeah. In martial arts yeah. or Tai Chi, they call that five element footing, but that position is important. So if my left foot, the heel is raised on that side, we're going to the left side. So you press down with the cable and again, you're going to need a bar or a rope. And most people burn out on their stabilizers. Not So you take 50 pounds. And I've taken some pretty built guys and 30 pounds was more than sufficient for them um, to start with. And what they do is using their breath, they crunch 20 times. It's maybe like five or six inches. So it's not hmm. that big, right? The motion. Then 45 degrees to the left. 20 reps. Then to side center, 20 reps. Then 45 to the rear, like you're looking on your ass cheek or doing hmm. a back tricep extension, you know, like pose. 20. And then 20 to the rear. So it's front, 45, side, 45, rear. The one over the ass, over your, your flexed calf is really tough to do. Right. And if you don't have a flywheel, this is again, this comes from experience, right? Only if you don't have a flywheel that pivots, just change your angle. So instead of you you trying to pull the cable to you, you, you turn your body to the cable and you do this six degrees of 20 repetitions. You're supposed to do three sets, you know, then you do the other side. And most people, their triceps and their shoulders and their pecs are burning just from holding the weight. Mm-hmm. But that'll wake up your lats, your serratus, your uh-huh. obliques, 
your lower lumbar. You want to feel what a core actually is supposed to feel like when wow. you squat, deadlift, barbell curl, older press. You you start with the ring of fire or you end with the ring of fire if you don't want to screw up your numbers on, on your dog crap training and your progressive overload. That's fine. Then do it after. But you will cramp wiping your rear end. You will cramp. Yeah. Like I'm telling you, it's humbling. And yeah. what I like is it, it builds a suit of armor like Eddie Cohen talks about mm. through a stupid cable exercise. Yeah. That's why yeah, even things like uh, flexibility for your QL, I can see that playing into this, uh, you know, and I don't want to go down a rabbit hole, but you know, oblique training and the, the twisting and things like that are just so crucial for stability of the QL, especially as we get older, because we don't have that. We lose it big time. And then we wonder why we have so many injuries when we get older. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Andrew, you had a question. Yeah. Do you have, um, do you have like a do you have a YouTube first like a YouTube channel and secondly do you or do you have like a list of exercises as like pre activation exercises before like leg day you know like or okay I'm training my chest today you mentioned you know the incline dumbbell curl do you have a list of exercises that you know we could share with our clients or listeners on things to do that would help us get more out of lifts uh, in our training that's a great question I first of all I don't have a website I don't have anything. I do have a private YouTube channel for members, ah. clients of mine who can access not only a whole list of exercises, but there's also like video footage of me teaching in Switzerland or the UK, you know, cause I used to do a lot of seminars. So gotcha. as of now, no, but you know, people have been trying to talk me into doing stuff like that, you know, uh, I don't really care yeah, about commercial you uh, programming, I, you know, because again, <laughs> but I would love to help you, you know, cause I behind the scenes, you know, I've shot footage for multiple certifications for continue ed stuff. Like I've been involved, you know, in training a bunch of physical therapists and, you know, all these different types because physical therapists don't understand strength training. They know how to rehab, but like, you know, there's a whole group of physical therapists that use like, my cueing for windmills and bed presses and for lateral, you know, for stability that they find very functional and, and applicable. And, you know, uh, but I think really what's important is how to stabilize the weight and how to partially move the weight and then build amplitude. So instead of reps, especially for longevity, instead of counting reps, you should think about amplitude and how to like gradually get the weight moving, how to change the direction of the weight moving, and change the tempo through this coiling, just like Eddie or, you know, um, Kazmaier, they talk about like, they feel like their, their arms are springs. You know, I'm pretty good friends with Eddie Cohen, you know, you know, I've, and he's, I've listened to him lecture a lot and I've talked to, with him in restaurants and in hotel rooms on many occasions. And I really love his philosophy of, body armoring his body and feeling like your spring because you want athletic performance. The spring is the thing. If you want to be considered active and healthy at 80, you should spring out of bed. Hmm. You should be able to tie your shoe. You know, one of my clients got envious at, you know, Temple because, you know, he's the only person his age who's able to bend over and tie his shoe. Without <laughs> any effort. You know, as silly as that sounds, 
right? I want to be that guy when I'm 80. I want to be that guy. Great. So I will start today. We got to wrap this thing up though, Will. Um, if people did want to reach out to you, what would be the, the best way? Your willful muscle on Instagram, right? There's that. Yes. Yes. That's that's pretty much it. Uh, that okay. and Facebook. And again, like I said on your original podcast, it's like I only made it public like a, two months ago. So it's, I, I don't really care about followers. If people follow me, I follow them back because I'm willing to, because I want to see messages if people message me. But, you know, if people look like a bot or they're not interacting, I unfollow <laughs> them just because I'm, I don't want followers. I just want people that I can interact with. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Well, guys, reach out to Will. I know that a bunch of you already have. Um, Victoria had worked with him. I saw her. She was over here in the gym the other day on video with Will and she was doing all sorts of stuff. And that, that gave her um, that gave her a bunch of excitement about moving forward in her training. The breathing thing, I've been working on that literally every day now. I just, we, if you guys didn't see the Swiss video, you got to go back and watch that. But I've been, I've been working on my breathing, breathing through the lower back, basically like I, I was doing it while we we're sitting here on the show, like actively attempting to. So it made a lot of, it made a lot of sense to me. And um, instantly I was able to get air into that part of my lungs, which I just hadn't been able to do before. And I've been trying for like two years now. So you, you literally, you made it that quick. That's what performance coaching is about, right? Is cutting through all the BS and having it make an impact right away. We'll reach out to Will, guys. Of course, uh, go to truenutrition.com. Use our code THINK, supplementsource.ca for Canadians. Uh, thank you to everybody from Patreon. We'll have some Patreon questions on the next episode. If you want to reach out to Andrew for coaching, go to bodyberry.com, teamskip.com if you want to reach out to Skip and keep pestering him about starting up his YouTube stuff. <laughs> Looks like that's going to happen. And, of course, reach out to me, McNally, diets at gmail.com. For another episode of Blood, Sweat, and Gear, we will see you soon. Thanks a lot, Will. <laughs>